Hello and welcome to the Corgi Town USA podcast. Welcome to season two. Thank you for sticking with us through season one and yes. welcome back. We have some awesome things this season. We do. We do. And as always, I'm Candy in my lap is Chuckles and it is his birthday today. Happy birthday, Chuckles. Happy birthday, Chucky. She's making him work on his birthday. I think that's so awful. Sitting in my lap while we record podcasts is a it's lot of It's a hard, hard thing for him to do. Well, he does have short legs, so long stride, short legs. legs. It's a long day. <laughs> but as always, I have chuckles. And also, if you aren't following us on TikTok, please do. We made a little happy birthday Chucky video. So we would love for you to come over, see the video, and shoot us a like and comment happy birthday Chucky because I the psycho that reads him your comments. Yes, I do. <laughs> she does. I do. Anyway. This is Kat Cohen, executive producer. Hi, everyone. And with me, I uh, don't put them up in my lap, are, of course, Digby, my corgi, and Wigan, my honorary corgi, who happens to be a blue healer or Australian cattle dog, goes by both names. He's an honorary corgi. He wants to be a corgi. Well, he kind of is. He kind of is. In a way. He's a corgi with legs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a sweet, sweet sensitivity. Well, we're going to bring up... Um, sort of a heartfelt subject as we often do during COVID and this wonderful, not so wonderful, um, pandemic we've all been living through. Um, something kind of wonderful happened in that people really wanted companions and we cleaned out nice. shelters. I think it's the first time in history that the shelters were lowest. They, they had ever been, I think on record. I, that could be, don't quote me on that statistic, but I've read some things that we're talking about. They were at record lows. Um, so people went out, they adopted dogs. It was wonderful. We love that they did that. We're having a little problem now. Because now the rest of the story. Now the rest of the story. Now that we're starting to go back, people's situations have changed either financially or their work situation or their home or living situation. We're certainly not shaming anyone. There are a myriad of reasons of why this happens. But um, but we're starting to see uh, the shelters are full again. Yes. So if you're listening, if you're watching, please adopt a pet, adopt a shelter pet, go to a rescue, support your local rescue. Um, if you have it in your heart, room, time, resources for a companion, please go rescue. We are very pro-rescue here and we definitely encourage it. Um, the shelters could use your help. The rescues could help use your help. Yes. So as we're talking about this, I came across an article and uh, we are going to bring on a guest today who runs East Coast Corgi Rescue. And she is actually on the forefront of this very issue that we're talking about right now. And so we're going to delve into that a little bit. It, it, it may be a little... Um... Teary-eyed? Teary-eyed, yeah. 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 It, it'll definitely Trigger race. warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning, yeah. For sure. But uh, but we're also going to talk about some wonderful things. About um, It is a challenging process, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about their process. But we're also going to talk about how rewarding it is. So should and we And it is. On? We shall. Okay. So let's go ahead and bring Melissa on. Melissa, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and it's a it's a little later when than uh, where we are. We're in Arizona, and of course you're on the East Coast, so we get up much later than you do. But as such, it's later in your day, so we appreciate you taking the time to spend part of your Saturday afternoon with us. I like to sleep in. You may not get up much later than me. 
<laughs> I believe that because my youngest Corgi Mortimer, I took a job where I start at 6am and I'm not a morning person. No. But since I took this early morning job, because I don't know, I make decisions. That's the thing I do. They're not always good, but I took this job. And so now since I've had Mortimer, since he was really young, we all get up at 5am now. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> Um, but anyway, let's talk about, um, your rescue. And if you don't mind, I have some questions. Of course. Awesome. How did you get started? How did you get started with rescue? How did you get started with corgis? If you, if you're in a corgi rescue, I'm assuming you knew a little bit about the breed. Give us your story. Okay. So, um, when I was, I had never had pets growing up when I was in my mid twenties, I had a boyfriend. We lived in Atlanta. Um, Fun uh, side note, we actually lived in Phoenix for a summer, which we loved. But uh, Is it in the summer? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It was great. Um, Okay. Well, come on back. I know. (laughs) So we we had, he worked in the movie business, and he was filming a movie uh, called The Gift. It was with Keanu Reeves and Kate Blanchett. Really great movie. It was being filmed in Savannah, and this dog kind of wandered up on set and didn't have a home and was barking and he called and said i think we have a dog now like i can't find a home for this dog and you know she won't leave my side so she was a corgi lab pit bull mix and oh my oh yeah she was so cute thora and back up just a little bit i'm gonna i'm gonna interject you've just you've just given me this amazing insider in our audience this amazing insider piece of hollywood history in that one of these major that was a big film Yes. That there was a corgi mix that wandered on to set during yeah. recording. Wow. She was in, in she was, she's in, in the opening credits. So she's actually oh, wow. in the opening credits. Go watch yeah. The again. yeah oh, me amazing. too. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, continue. Yeah. So he was in this little town outside Savannah and he called and was just like, hey, you know, can we meet halfway? I'm like, I don't even know anything about dogs. Like, how am I going to bring this dog back to Atlanta? And until you get back, you know, like, I don't have any idea how to do this. So I started to learn about dog real quickly. Um, and then, you know, we, he came home, brought her home and we had a dog and it was like, okay, you know, like we're like this little family now. And so we'd go out to work and live our lives. And our neighbors were like, you know, she cries a lot when you're not home. We were like, we did not know that. So we started leaving her with our neighbors. It was really like very young building that we lived in, in Atlanta. And um, our neighbors would be like, Hey, we're going to work. They're like, all right, send the dog down. We're at the pool. Right. So started looking for another dog. And that's where I dove into like, okay, this is a crazy world. I started realizing that in Atlanta, they are putting down a thousand dogs a week at the time euthanizing. And I was like, Oh my God. So I got into this little world of these, you know, I just called them like the rich Atlanta ladies. They had husbands who had jobs and they were home and they would rescue dogs and they'd keep 15, 20 dogs at their house and they ran a small rescue. And I went and visited one and I was like, this is like what I want to do. Like this is, you know, I just was never at a place in my life to do it. So we adopted a dog from one of these ladies and I had Sammy and Sammy and Thora were with me for 13 and 16 years. Um, You know, three, four months when we adopted them, they were in my wedding when I got married, not to that boyfriend, but somebody else. I mean, they, they saw me through. So like I had them from when I was like 27 years old to like 43 years old. So it's like, that's a huge part of your life where you're experiencing change. 
and, you know, got to like all the way to my first kid, you know, my first kid, both of them. And so it was, you know, I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to do that. I just never lived in a place where I could do it. Right. I've always been in a city or had a busy life. And so it just, after I lost Sammy in 2016, I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to find the, the dog. Sammy, the, the first one. Second one. So Laura was the first. She was Corgi Lab Pitbull. Sammy was like mostly Corgi, I think, and a little shepherd maybe. Um, And I just loved them. I loved how smart they were. I loved their personalities. Like they were so crafty. And, you know, I, my my husband, oh yeah, my husband was like, when he first, you know, started staying at my house, he was like, I can't believe you talk to these dogs in sentences and they actually know what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, it's just weird. I mean, I don't know. I've spent a lot of time with them and I just, I never did any formal training. They just get to know your routine and you get to know theirs. So, so I started slowly after Sammy died, I was like, I was heartbroken with both of them passing. And it was like, I've never experienced heartbreak like that moment when they were both being euthanized because there was just nothing else we could do. And I was like, okay, I want to help dogs who are, you know, their owner died or went to hospice care or something. Right. And then the family doesn't want the dog and it's 14 years old. Like that's the dog I want. You know, I want to take that dog and give the best, like of its last, you know, whatever it might be days, weeks, months, years. So I started online and then I found a dog that was like Thora's twin in North Carolina. And all of a sudden, I'm like, they're like, it's going to be euthanized if we don't get somebody to step up. I wasn't even a formal rescue. I just emailed and said, I'll get her tomorrow, get him tomorrow. And the next thing I know, I'm driving down there. My husband's oh, wow. super confused because we had a two and four year old. So I'm driving from DC to North Carolina. It's like a 12 hour round trip. He's like, I'm sorry, you're coming home with a dog that's not even going to be ours. Like our four year old sitting at the window going, I'm waiting for my dog to come home. I was like, I'm not planning on keeping this dog. Um, I already had an idea where it was going to go, got it home, found out it had heartworms. Hooray. (laughs) So I started treating it and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this. So I found a home for him, this great lady in Oregon. And then I flew the dog from Dulles airport in Virginia to Oregon after it was safe to fly it with the heartworms and thereby started the rescue. And that was October, 2016. So Um, I was sort of like doing it as a one-off measure, you know, here and there, I'd find a dog on Craigslist or something and and I would just, you know, get it, bring it home and then try to figure out who am I going to find. And then the next thing I know, I'm filing papers. I'm starting up, you know, getting the 501c3. I'm like, I have to write articles. I don't even understand what I'm doing. I have to, you know, write mission statements. And you got in deep. Was four, I did. I did. And I had a two and four year old and I'm a real estate agent, which, and I work like way more than full time. And it, so it's you know, not like you were busy or anything. <laughs> right. And one of my best friends, she runs a pit bull rescue in Atlanta. And she was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and like, she's right, but she's not right. I mean, it's, it was a deep dive into a world I didn't know anything about with nonprofit because I'd never worked in that capacity at all. Right. But, you know, the key is to get, you know, help. Right. And so we grew, we had some growing pains with some board. I mean, people in rescue can sometimes just be off the wall, right? Like truth be told, like there's just some off the wall stuff that happens and big heart comes big personalities. Yes. And there's always, there's sometimes motives that aren't fully there. And I didn't want to be that person. I was, I was self-funding the rescue. I had the money to fund it. I was putting my own money into it. And then accountants 
said, hey, wait, you can't really do that because then you're going to have to convert to a private foundation. So you've got to start getting donations. And I was like, I didn't really want to have to do that, but I had to. So, um, right. uh, you know, it took a couple rounds, but we got a great team on board. There's six of us now and we run this thing like a machine. And I couldn't be more thankful for, you know, these five ladies who do what they do every single day. And they're in the nitty gritty of it. Like they, like I sort of am on like the financial end and the paperwork end and the applications and the intakes, but I'm not like dog comes in, goes to them, they deal with everything. And then on the way out, I'm, you know, securing the home. That's amazing. They needed your, um, dare I say East coast intensity. So that's why I need that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were, we were talking. So, so cats from the East coast. I'm and, from New York. And I said, and okay. I equipped something the other day. I said, Oh, you intense East coast people. She's like, you talking to me. You talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? So yeah. we had we had a little joke about that. But that yeah, they they needed your intensity and your hyper-focused organizational skills and we're certainly glad that you that you started it. We're I mean, I have such a heavy heart that people of for people who do work like this because you really mm. are making a huge difference and it's it's just amazing. I hope so. I know. Yeah. And and I want to say something too about naming it East Coast. Like I live in DC, but DC is very much like a political machine here. And in oh, my mind, course. I always thought I don't want to live here the rest of my life, but I know, I know I will always be on the East coast, right? My family's here. I'm from Connecticut. Uh, I, you know, my husband's from Baltimore. Like we're never going to really leave the East coast and it's home to you. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time I didn't know that there were other Corgi rescues. Like I was like, one day maybe I'll end up in Florida. So let me just name it East coast and then I can take it with me. Well now, huh? now you realize like, if I ever leave, I can't take it with me because it's, you know, it's grounded here, of course. But we also can do a lot virtually too, which is great because now we've got, it's not just me running dogs around. So we've got a whole network of people. Oh, that's so good. All up we and down it. the East Coast. Mm -hmm. The whole East Coast, baby. Yep. Well, so I, I want to I ask this, and I know this is kind of a sort of a loaded question. So I'll, and it's very obtuse. So feel free to be succinct. But what is the most, what is the most challenging you would say a thing about having a rescue, but then let's kind of flip that. And I also want to know what you think the most rewarding thing is about rescue. And that seems like from the person on the outside in, that seems like kind of an obvious question. Well, you know, the challenges, they're multiple. There's a multitude of challenges with, with how running a rescue, but also so are the rewards. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, what you would think if you were to kind of make it a little finite of kind of like the most challenging and the most rewarding. All right. The most challenging definitely has to be that your life in a way is never your own because there's a dog who's in jeopardy. So yeah. you may be on a vacation, you may be sleeping, you may be doing something completely different and then you're pecking away on your phone, you know, and everyone's saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you're like, I'm trying to save the dog. Yeah. And that's yeah. the most challenging because your time if you're going to be in this, you have to be in it, right? It's not a nine to five. And so you, your time's never really your own. And all of us are, we have a Facebook chat with the six of us and we're consistently communicating in there. And it goes from six in the morning until two in the morning. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I'm the one I sleep from like two to nine or 10. The other a couple others are very early. So they're up at six, seven. So by the time I wake up, I'm already behind. By the time I go to bed, I'm caught up, but then I wake up and I'm behind again. But right. we all, like we're just all tossing plates. And that's that's the hard part. 
I think for most rescues, you want to make sure that none of the people on the team are dropping a plate ever, which we're lucky none of us are, you know, we're all on it. But that's the challenging thing is that some somebody drops a ball of fire in your lap and now it's your problem, even though it's not. You know, you want to say to somebody, you know, you're you're the one that decided today you have to get rid of a dog and I'm on vacation. So you need to wait. You can't because that dog may end up in a worse situation. Shelter, dog fighting, Craigslist, like you just don't know. That's the most challenging. Oh my goodness. Oh man, that gets you right there. Yeah. And, and there's, I'm going to guess there's a certain amount of burnout, uh, to all of this. And so, um, especially being so deeply emotional. So, so, I mean, it's one thing to be stressed out and, and have running a full load and, and be overworked, but then especially when you're doing something that's so, so tied into them, it's a heartfelt thing that you're doing. It's not just like doing a task over and over again. That takes a lot of mental energy. It also takes emotional energy. That's right. And right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to just interject over here. Absolutely. All of these places need you as a volunteer, need you to help out, need you to do all these things. And, um, you know, as the eternal coach that I am, check yourself first. How much can you give, not monetarily, but of your time, your emotions, you know, your strength and your energy and let the organization know what your limitations are going to be going into it because then you don't drop balls. Mm -hmm. Then the organization knows what you can and cannot do. And they still need you anyway. Every one of these organizations needs you anyway. So I, I yeah. you know, the coach in me needed to, to interject that. You're totally right. That's totally right. So on the, on the flip side of that, what would you say is the most rewarding? Oh, definitely getting a dog into the right home, you know, and yeah. changing everybody's life. You know, it's like our tagline is rewriting futures. And that's exactly what we are doing you know we get dogs from some pretty bad situations um we've gotten them from people who are mentally ill left them in basements for years they've never seen the light of day uh there's we've gotten and to see that dog blossom you know like we have one who hit the jackpot with one of our adopters and she won't mind probably being called out sandy she's like any dog that lands in sandy's house would is like hit the jackpot She's got a big, gorgeous house in Maryland, a huge fenced yard, deer that come visit. And now she's got three corgis and um, she got out dog Ernie and he'd been left in a basement for most of his life. Um, the animal control was trying to get in there and get some of the dogs out of the house. The people kept saying, all right, we're going to surrender. All right, we're not. Then they would call the shelter and say, you stole our dogs. It was a situation. And we got Ernie straight to Sandy. He had some medical issues. She updates us pretty regularly. He was scared of the dark for a long time. She's like, I had to go get nightlights, put nightlights in so that he was never in the dark, but he sleeps in bed with her every night. And it's sort of just watching the fact that he's slowly forgotten that old life and come into his new life. And you see him sitting on this like big gorgeous couch in the living room or playing with the other two dogs. It's like, thank, thank goodness this woman came into our lives in his life. Oh, that is amazing. Well, tell her if she feels like coming on the podcast, we'd love to hear the story. And, and absolutely. Rescue. Yeah. We love oh, rescue stories. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a big part of our podcast is every season we try to do some rescue stories. That's like one okay. of kind of highlights. So yeah, we'd love to have her on. Great. Well, I want to, I want to tell, so as we're talking about this and uh, some of the things that happen and how animals wind up in rescues, from what I understand, you have a very selective placement process. And I, I definitely want you to go over this because 
we talk about rescue and, and we, we encourage it all the time. Please rescue if you can. And, and I just, you know, just said that please rescue if you can, um, you know, help us, help us let the, get them out of the shelters, help That's the right. rescues. Mm -hmm. Um, however, please be sure that you've thought this process through just like we would say with a puppy. Um, can you give that dog your time? Can you give, um, do you have the resources if yes. there's a medical emergency? Um, just all of the things. Um, uh, so there, there are reasons why listener viewer, maybe you're working with a rescue and you're having to fill out applications and you're questioning why the process might not be easier. The reason is to, so that it's win-win so that the dog goes to the right home. So if you do find yourself in the situation where you are filling out an application and you're wondering why it's taking so much time, one, they are volunteers. So please be respectful of their time. And these are people just like Melissa here that are uh, pouring their heart and soul and free time and sanity <laughs> into these processes. Um, so please be mindful and respectful of that. But also, if you find yourself in a situation where you are, you're wondering why it's taking a long time, or you're, maybe you got denied for whatever reason, please don't get discouraged and please don't take it personally. There are a myriad of reasons and it's a very, very complex process. So I wanted to kind of footnote that with right. that. Uh, um, but they do have to err on the side of caution. Yeah. Well, and it's because mm -hmm. it's got to be win-win. It has yeah, to be, it has to be win win. Yeah. So they that's why you get all those questions. So instead of keeping yammering on my own philosophy, <laughs> Melissa, please tell us about your selective process um, and how that works. Sure. So um we have we tend we used to just have applications open, and that wasn't a big deal when we got one applicant a week for our dogs in the early years, then in 2018, we switched to a like open them and close them, you know? So we open them at a specific time and close them. Uh, we don't really allow people, we allow people to adopt, they get approved to adopt. They don't get approved for specific dogs unless the dog is a special case. So for the most part, we'll open applications one time a year for anywhere between like two and four weeks. You know, we get three, 400 apps, we close it. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, we have way more applicants than dogs. Um, and then, you know, we have to keep it limited for a couple of reasons. The first is that, like you mentioned, we have jobs, we have families, you know, some of us have little kids, um, you know, and if we, you know, if we open apps or we leave them open all the time and the person applies yesterday, we give them a dog today. It's totally a different situation than somebody who very like deliberately and specifically wants a Corgi applies, you know, our last application run was open in October of 2020. The person that applied then that I contact now who's still waiting for a Corgi is serious. Like they, yeah. they know what they want and they're serious. Right. So we will, we'll open the apps. I go through them with a fine tooth comb and I make three piles essentially. It's absolutely yes, maybe, and denied. And so I'm going to tell you out of 400, maybe only 10 people are an absolute yes. It's just, it's like the application you can read and you're like, I don't even need to vet check them, consider a home visit, nothing. This person is, they know what wow. they're saying. I'm hearing what I need to hear in this application that they, that this is a home run. And I put them at the top of the list and we vet check them just to make sure that there's nothing we're missing or anything like that. And part of that, I'm I'm sure this is speculation, but being part of this corgi community or cult, as we called it, last, you know, we we end up having or us corgi people end up being tight. So you have people in the community, and I'm assuming that that probably would be at the top of your list is people that you know in the community that are involved in the corgi community. They go to the meetups, you know, they've had them for years, kind of not celebrities or anything. But, 
like corgi celebrities, but just people that you know that are part of this community that have been yeah. rescued before. That's that's kind of what I have in my head when I think of, oh, the home runs or the people, yeah, you know, we've placed dogs with them before or everybody who goes to the meetups know them and know how well these dogs are cared for. Maybe. Like I wasn't, I'm not super tapped into that world. Um, okay. I, I don't even know like the famous, like the, I don't have time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know who these like famous yeah. corgis are. And in a lot of ways, like I understand it's great, but not everybody raised, has a famous Instagram corgi oh, or right. any, like any, like a great purpose. I'm sorry. Like, it's just look at my corgi. It's so cute. And then they have millions of followers. That's great. But like, God, I'd love to have that platform and be able to be like, Hey guys, here's how you find reputable breeders, right? Well, and that's part of what we're trying to do here as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, if yeah. We're, we're growing a following is, is we want, you know, we want people to adopt. We want people to rescue. We want people to donate, yeah. you know, we raising awareness on what a well-bred dog is versus a not well-bred dog, you know? So, right. and, and a lot of the influencers that I know, um, do that to a degree where they are using this popularity to, you know, put information raise awareness to the rescues and, yeah. and some things like that. So, so there is a very yeah. silver lining. I understand what you're saying. But yeah. There is a silver lining to it. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyway. it's not, like we don't seem, I don't seem to see a lot of those, like, like the quote unquote, the famous or anything like that, or people from meetups. Right. It's more so uh, we get a lot of applicant applicants, but there's few that there's like, you know, some connection somewhere. So it's not necessarily that it's just that, okay. You know, you'll read it and you're like, Jesus, this person's had corgis for 40, 50 years or, you know, they know more than we do kind of thing. Right. You know, right. Whatever they want. Like, they're going to be great. Well, and the reason why I say that is because we we go to meetups and we're active in the community. And um, but now when there's a corgi, guess who gets called? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. why I say that. And it's just yeah. because that's what I mean about not so much famous people maybe as as, as involved. As yeah. people that do the networking and are involved in the com corgi community and things like that, that's why I say that. Is I, I wonder. Yeah. I think of people like that. Like I, yeah. it's it, it ebbs and flows. But I usually get messaged or called, and I'll get a call from the vet, and I'll say, "Which one is this one?" And I'll go through the names because I'm mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, I already know about them." Yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I'm really bad at segueing. I'll let you continue <laughs> with the answer to the question. <laughs> so. All right. So then, okay. So we've, so the nose, so the nose, I'm sorry, you're going to be people with no dog experience. Somebody who tells me that they let their um, pet Python out to play with their Chihuahua. I've had that happen. Um, somebody that says that they've had seven dogs. And then when we ask the question, what happened to all of them? It's like, Oh, Bo got hit by a car. Teddy ran away. Um, Bobby broke through the fence and then we never found him again. And then we turned up in a shelter, but we were away that week. So we couldn't get him in the shelter, euthanized him. Like you wouldn't believe the things people write. And you just look at it and you're like, you get a plant. Like you don't need a dog, go get a plant. Right. right. Um, and then, so then I'll take the maybes and I'll dive deeper and sort of read. There's a few key questions that we ask that are opportunities for them to give us more information about what their home life is like, what their experience is like. And, um, you know, we, we just need people who are experienced and not only dog experience, but like corgi or herding dog experience. Yeah. And I think there's people out there who feel like we're being um, like breedists, right? Like it's an elite thing and it's not, it's almost, I wish we could just convey to people that it's actually the opposite. It's the, right. the dog, you, you think you want or need the dog. No, the dog needs you, right? Like you're like the dog needs you more, not the other way around. So somebody has a right. shopping list, they get denied. 
you know, as sweet as it is that somebody might want an emotional support dog for, you know, their child who maybe has special needs, that's not necessarily going to be right for one of our, our dogs. Like our dogs are, they're damaged either emotionally, medically, behaviorally. And it's like, they need a support human. Like that's the way that I think of it in my mind when I'm looking at applications. And so if there's somebody that has a ton of Corgi experience, they're usually not looking for the dog with no issues under one year old. They're astute enough to know that the dog may be, I mean, yeah. people that say they'll take seniors, I'm like, bam, let's go. You know, um, the people, and I'm going to like give out like a crazy secret, but the people who say I've had several corgis, I had this one that had this degenerative issue. I had this one, this one was in a wheelchair, um, you know, and I'll take anything up to a senior, blah, blah, blah. When I call those people with a puppy, they're over the moon. Like that, that's who gets the puppies. Like if yeah. people really want to know, it's not, it's not somebody who like wants to do an Instagram page for their Corgi or who says, I took a quiz online and it says a Corgi is my ideal dog or I've been a Corgi <laughs> my whole life. You're not getting the puppy. I'm sorry. But if that person no. comes in and says, I want to get my feet wet at this and see if this is the right dog for me. And they're willing to take a senior. I may take a chance on them, you know, depending on what else their app says. But yeah, right. the person who comes in and says, you know, I've done this for 30, 40 years. And, you know, if you've got the old busted, I mean, I like love this family. They've gotten several dogs from us. And the, the father applied and said, it was so funny. He was like, Chip, another one I'll call out that they'll probably laugh. He said, um, we've had this dog and this problem and this problem, this problem. And that's to say, if you get like an alcoholic corgi with a gambling problem, please call me. <laughs> so I love that family with Chip. Jessica, three boys, right? So called them and said, I have a puppy. They were like, they got that dog. I got another puppy. And I was like, not only do I have another puppy, but like, I need to place this without putting it on the Facebook page because we'll get 7,000 inquiries. Want the puppy. And so they got, they took the second one too. And so we have a few families like that, that have taken. Yeah. So that's sort of where I'll sometimes go back and say, you know, if we know somebody's lost a corgi, I may go back and be like, hey, look, we've got this dog. And, you know, if I put it out there, I'm going to get 8,000 inquiries, but it might be a really good dog for you guys. I, so, I love your philosophy on this. I love your philosophy. Thank on you. Rescue. Yeah, thank I you. love your I love your selective process. You're very pragmatic and and you go through these complexity. I mean, that's somebody who really understands really you really understand what you're doing. It's inspiring. And the breed. And the breed. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. You know what? I have to be honest with you. Like being a real estate agent and somebody searching for a home, I've applied so many of what I learned from people looking to buy a home with this that I've been able to like completely transfer a skill set. And yeah. the learning curve for me was the nonprofit process, right? And building building a business essentially, building a business that's never going to make a dime, but building right. a business. Right. Um, that was the hard part. But yeah, I think like. I mean, I think we have this thing, you know, fine-tuned like a machine now at this point, which is great. Uh, so, yeah. and, then, and then I know that we should also probably mention that we do limit the area we cover. And that's just so that, look, some, somebody, and I've been one of them too, I will drive, I would drive to Oklahoma for the right dog. I would drive anywhere for the right dog. The reality though, is that when you get that dog home and you find out that it's not the right dog for you or your, your house, get, guess who doesn't want to get in their car and drive it back? Right. So exactly. that's why we have an area. And so I love when people are so enthusiastic to say, I'll drive from wherever, but it's like, that's not what I need. Cause I know you will, you want something, but
But when you want to get rid of it and you're threatening to drop the dog at a shelter, like I can't take that risk. Yeah. So mm, that's why absolutely. we limit the area. That makes sense. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. I, um, so I want to, I don't want to keep too much of your time. We're going to go a little over time, but, um, but I want to talk a little bit about this. We were talking about the COVID fallout and we, I started the episode talking about how it was when this happened and lockdown happened, this wonderful thing happened in that shelters were at record lows, um, rescue groups were getting more inquiries than they were intake. And it was like, mm -hmm. Oh, what a wonderful thing that these, that this is people are home now. They want companions. But unfortunately what I'm hearing the buzz and seeing and reading shelters are filling up again. They're over mm -hmm. capacity. And in a lot of places, um, the rescue groups have influx. And so not that COVID specifically to blame, uh, but because of what happened in this overnight cultural shift, we're kind of having this fallout in people mm -hmm. that, for various and sundry reasons, some in their control, some out of their control, some bad planning. I wanted to ask you about a little bit about that. Get your perspective on it and what your experience is and what you're seeing now. Cause it sounded sure. like maybe you're dealing with that. Yeah. So probably about a month ago, I got super frustrated at the fact that we were getting what felt like, you know, when you watch a cartoon and they run the same background behind the character over and over again, Yes, I, that was happening with our surrenders. Like I before I even opened it, I knew what it was going to say. The dog was going to be below a year and a half and it was going to have sudden behavioral issues. We just got, you know, Rover home. He was fine. And now he's attacking our whatever cat, dog, bird, kid, wife, whatever. And it in this area, um, what I think a lot of people don't realize, myself included, is we're a dumping ground for a lot of, um, you know, Pennsylvania has Pennsylvania's second after Missouri with horrible laws to protect animals. And there's a lot of, yep, there's a lot of, um, you know, backyard breeders. A lot of people will specifically call out certain groups that do it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Amish families that breed and some of these dogs end up with behavioral issues, I think, because they're breeding for the money. They're not breeding for the breed. And so yeah, they're not. We've, we've actually talked about this before with uh, the, mm -hmm. with our friend that runs the Adopt-A-Corgi page. And okay. she, she has talked about this before that she sees a lot from that community and yeah. without shaming any, you know, one group of people, that's a cultural shift. Um, sure. They do view the animal as a commodity. Yes. Not, they told me that. Yes. Not as a yeah. living, breathing thing that fills Correct. pain and suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I picked one up on four inches of ice in the middle of the dead of winter. And she said, oh, she's under the house. I'm like, what? She's like, she sleeps under there. I was like, is it safe and warm? She's like, well, you know, they're not pets to us. They're just, you know, farm animals. Mm. So, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest when one wanders away and it's stray in Pennsylvania and we get flack sometimes on our page saying, Hey, that was probably a breeder's dog. You know what? You're right. It was probably a breeder's dog, but I'm not going to go looking for its owner <laughs> because right. it's probably, they probably don't care. So right. do you want it again to wander off again? I mean, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So the new, so I got real mad at these surrenders coming in just in general that this was happening and it was the absolute fallout, right? Like the, the vaccine hit a certain percentage point. People started getting called back to work and every single day we got a surrender in July and it was unreal. So we were buried. And the problem is, it's like, it's like whack-a-mole. If you don't act quick, you've lost it. Right. So, you know, you, I, I was like, 
Guys, I'm mad. 10.30 at night, I emailed all four DC news stations I could get contact info for. One responded to me first thing in the morning, and they showed up at my house and did this news piece before noon the next day. So um, they, you know, the news is the news, right? They needed to do a point counterpoint, which they did. They went to the Humane Society in DC who said that they're not seeing that issue. Um, I mean, if you look at their numbers, they really are. Their, their numbers are up. They're receiving twice as many surrenders this year to date as they have the last several years. So I'm not sure why that's like their narrative right now, but you know, that's really neither here nor there because all the shelters in the area here are full. Yeah. And we're getting same, a lot of surrenders. Yeah, yeah, we're getting so a ton of surrenders. So they're, the shelters are full, but nobody's bringing them animals, but they're full of, you know, we're blank. confused. Yeah. yeah, we're confused. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's I mean, look, I, I say this with real estate, too. You have to follow the money. And so certain groups may say that, oh, no, that's not happening because they've got a public face to maintain. I frankly don't care. Like, I will tell you the way that it is. And so the way that it is, is yes. When this happened, the bad breeders realized you could go onto sites like Greenfield Puppies, if I'm allowed to say, that is a major source of puppy brokering for these people who don't do great research. And I don't even like the whole, I don't even like the description puppy brokering. Yeah. No, oh. there's Lancaster. Yeah, there's a few of them. And they're just notorious places that these people can put their puppies on. Pre pre COVID, a corgi puppy was seven or eight hundred dollars. You look at these sites now; they're all twenty five hundred. So they tripled their prices. They amped up the breeding, which means that these dogs are having multiple litters per year, which isn't good for them. No, and all these dogs ended up in the system, right? Like they all ended up out there, and a lot of them are being returned. And it's really unfortunate. And people don't realize, like they think in their head. Well, I'm getting it away from this backyard breeder or this bad breeder. I'm saving it. You're not. You just made a space for them to get another dog. You know, you're yeah. you, you don't reward bad behavior like you just yeah. don't. And so it it's hard to walk away from that dog. But it's like I would just urge people to never go there to begin with, like yeah. find a reputable breeder. Yeah. And we, and we talk about that a lot. You know, we, I know that rescuing is not always, we're very pro rescue. It's not always realistic for various and sundry reasons, but if you are really ready for a puppy, we try to guide people on what a good breeder, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Please, yeah. If you're a listener yeah. viewer, please don't use one of these puppy brokerage sites. Please come Absolutely. to us and let us guide you. We don't recommend any one or two breeders. We just give you guidelines of what you should ask. Yeah. Um, we're also, yeah. we've got an education page and we had um, there's a woman I know who has a corgi in my neighborhood and she wrote, you know, she did a lot of research and she wrote an article for us about how to find a good breeder and how she went about it. And, you know, her dog came from like Kentucky or something like that, but she went through this process and wrote it all out for us. And we posted it on our site so that we could say, here's how, you know, we're not anti-breeder at all. Like go to a great breeder. And the reality is if all these people that got COVID dogs went to great breeders, great breeders will always take their dogs back. So right. it's. It's it's like anything, you know, you 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 want to support the smaller businesses for the most part, the ones that are doing things right. And the more you support them, the more you allow them to fund their doing things right. Correct. The more the people who are doing things wrong will go out of business. That's any business. Well, and, yeah. and preser preservation breeders do breed, to your point there, Melissa, for uh, temperament, and they do the appropriate mm -hmm. genetic testing. And I tell this story sometimes because I've had several rescues. Um, and But Chuckles, I got him before my oldest was going to pass away because I wanted him to learn from the best dog in the world, 
while I still oh. had them. And so I went and I did research. I thought, man, I haven't had a puppy in at that point, 13 years. And I did a lot of research. I wanted all of the, the genetic testing because when I got my first, we didn't have that research. We didn't know about right. degenerative myelopathy. Yeah. We didn't know yeah. about any of that. I got lucky with Lilo. He was a happy, healthy boy for 15 years. We didn't have DM. Mm. We, he had a little bit of arthritis in old age, but, mm. um, but that was very lucky because yeah. now we're, you know, the, the dogs that were in his, in his age group that I had met through meetups, there's a lot of DM. There are a lot of different degenerative issues from just overbreeding or crossbreeding. Um, I think Lilo came from a good breeder. That was my first one. But anyway, I wanted to get Chuckles. So I did research and I ended up driving. Uh, I think it was a 10 hour trip up and back. I found a mm -hmm. breeder that had limited litters. They did the genetic testing. Uh, they make you sign an agreement. They'll always take mm -hmm. them back if, it, if something happens. Very, very attentive breeder. Uh, yeah, I had to look. There were yeah. options, but I had to look. And and you talked about the price point. Corgis are not inexpensive, uh, but price point doesn't really mean anything. You'll probably pay about the same to a good breeder versus a bad breeder uh, yeah. because yes. they know how much they can get, right? Right. So right. And people, some of these surrenders, the people that are surrendering, I mean, I say to them, this is not your fault. You come back to me when you're ready for a dog because They've gone through behavioral, all kinds of behavioral vets training. I mean, they've some of these people have spent thousands, and it's like if you had just found, and they and they don't know, right? And so, like one person said to me, "We're actually, I got his dog a flight going to a sanctuary this Monday, um, but he where the dog can live for its life if it, you know, mm -hmm. if it never can be rehomed somewhere, it will stay at this wonderful sanctuary. It's um, you know about it. We talked about it, Corgwin Rehabilitation Sanctuary. Yeah, Corgwin, yeah. We'll yeah, have, so, yeah, we'll have the rut from Corgwin soon. Yeah, the so they're yeah. great. And, um, you know, we've had to send several to them because they bite or whatever and, you know, or they've got behavioral issues. And so we had somebody that contacted us and I just said, I'm sorry, like, we just can't take it. It's a huge liability. And we also don't have homes for these dogs. Like our pool of adopter applicants don't want to take a dog that like they can't interact with because it's so aggressive. Right, and right. What can I do? And I said, honestly, please educate people. Because he said he's from Pennsylvania. He's like, I had no idea that this was happening here in such a high proportion. And I said, it's because of the population of Pennsylvania. But you need to, I said, if you could do anything for me or for this dog, tell everybody who will listen to you not to buy online puppy brokers. If they have any questions about how to find a reputable breeder, like we've got information on our website, plenty of Corgi pages will you know, you don't need to meet someone at a gas station. Don't call when you're 10 minutes out because they're pulling a fast one on you. So he was like, I really appreciate the info and I'm going to let people know because we had no idea. Right. Oh, okay. I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, we're a little over time, but thank you so much. And we'd love to have you on again in the future if you're open to it. Yeah, because absolutely. I, I love the work you're doing. Um, I'm going to share for those listening. If you go to www.eastcoastcorgirescue.org, there's some information on there. We talked about the um, about the information page that's on there, but more so, there's also how can we help? Is it donations? Um, do you, is it foster volunteers? Call to action, Melissa. Tell us what we can do to best support your organization. So a good a good thing is probably to follow the Facebook page too. Um, and we, everything's public. So I don't even know if you need a Facebook account necessarily. You might be able to access some of that without it. Uh, but we post a lot of our info there. 
we do pretty well on donations. I mean, we're not overflowing in money, but like, you know, a serious operation isn't going to set us back right now if we had to have that. The main thing people can do is educate and get educated about puppy mills, backyard breeders, what all that looks like. Um, and I did, I don't know that I told you this in our email communication, but I had a Corgi Piper. Um, she, we just had to let her go on Sunday this past week. I'm DM. so sorry. It's awful. And my kids are seven and nine and oh. you know, they're, I, they're crying. My little one was crying saying, I changed my mind. I want my dog back. And I said to my husband, I'm so mad. I'm so mad that somebody did this to Piper. She probably gave somebody 50 puppies over her life. They made a ton of money off of her and she lived a miserable life because she, she couldn't walk for the last year and a half. We carried her everywhere. And so if, if I can stop that from ever happening again, God, that would be like such a life goal, <laughs> you know, just to make sure that that never happens to any family, to any dog. It's, it's how can people help that get yourself educated? Do not, Absolutely. do not go buy a dog from some backyard breeder from some puppy broker website. And, you know, the people I've been lucky enough to come in contact with who say, Hey, I'm picking up a puppy tomorrow. Isn't that exciting? And I'm like, where'd you find it? And they say, <laughs> Lancaster puppies. I'm like, once you've been educated. Yeah. Once you've been educated yeah. about it, you want it. You're so excited for them. Congratulations. But I'm with you in that after you do all this research and you hear these stories, you go, that's great. Can you tell me where you're getting them from? So I can Always. judge appropriately. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, please, listener, viewer, you uh, please use these resources. Go to eastcoastcorgirescue.org. There's a lot of great information there. Of course, here at Corgi Town USA, feel free. Email me, candy at corgitownusa.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on YouTube, Instagram as well. Uh, we're glad to connect you to people like Melissa on how you can help and get yeah. information. That's and right. we're also glad yeah. to help. So, I'll talk to anyone about how to find a good breeder, even though that's not what we do, or about rescue. Yeah. Happy Absolutely. to do it. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you for being on. We appreciate you. your time. We appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you so much for this important work. And thank we'll look forward so to having you. Yeah, we'll look forward to have. We, uh, we could talk about this for days, I'm sure. Yeah, yes. I know, can. I know. So we'll I know and the nature on. of this will change as COVID changes. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe right, maybe right. it'll be a new story a few months from now, but sure. <laughs> well, think think before you adopt, whether it's a, a corgi or, or purchase, anything sure. or purchase or yeah. whatever. Think first. Think, I mean, really, yeah. really go through your life and and figure out where in your life you can you can have one of these these darling fur babies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Melissa. Enjoy the rest thank of your you. day. We really appreciate you. Thank you bye. so much. Okay. Bye. bye. Well, that was. Whew. It was intense. That was intense. It's yeah. intense. Um, but yes, to Melissa's point, um, please check out East Coast Corgi Rescue on to get yourself educated, see how you can help, call to action. Feel free to reach out to us. If you want a corgi and you are thinking about rescuing or getting from a breeder, we are happy to be your source uh, to recommend who to ask the right questions, what questions to ask, um, what to do about that. We love being your resource and we love having guests like Melissa onto our podcast here. It's very, so. very educational, very emotional, very emotional, um, but you have but, to get emotional if you, you have to get emotional if you really want to dive in. You can't be cold about this. You can't be, um, you know, statistical about this. And yes, usually it, they're not though. They want corgis, but right, right. But, 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 you're the, saving but the, but the breeders are cold and statistical and I'm sure there are some out there, yeah. some out there, some, yeah. not all, but we certainly. can drive you to one who's not so right. 
But thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. This is a lot of great information, even if it did get a little heavy. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching it. Please uh, like and subscribe. Please follow us on YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. We would love to have you part of our community so we can continue to educate and do this wonderful work. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Candy Cat Chuckles, Dickby and Wiggins, signing out. Quirky Town USA. Bye.